Awesome. Well, good morning, everybody. Hey, my name's Clayton. I'm the pastor here at Central, and I'm so glad you guys are here with us today, man. I'm excited about the message that God has um, for us. And so if you'd like to follow along with the message, you can just uh, scan this QR code right here. It's on the screen, in the screens around us, and uh, it'll take you right to the notes. So if you don't have the app, man, you can get our church app, and that's a great way to, to follow along with uh, the message um, for today. But if you haven't been with us the last couple weeks, we have been in the middle of a series called the Micah Manifesto. So you saw a little, uh, go, go back to that screen. I think some people were trying to take pictures of me. Um, <clears throat> sorry, no, just kidding. Uh, yeah, but, so you guys can get that. But we've been in this series called the Micah Manifesto. And, and uh, this, all this is, is uh, the idea that God has this, this grand plan for our lives of how he wants us um, to live. And in fact, the whole Old Testament, even the, the New Testament, can kind of be summed up into this, this Micah manifesto that we, we get from the book, the Old Testament um, book of Micah. And the question that was posed for the people back then, who were not living for God, by the way, um, was how can, how can they get right with God? Can they offer all these crazy sacrifices to get right with God? And God says, I don't want any of those things. Here's what I want, and it's Micah chapter 6, verse 8. It's been our verse for the last couple weeks, and it'll be our, our verse for today as we finish up. But here's what he says. He's shown you, O mortal, or O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? He says this, to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Now, this walking humbly... I love the, the idea of these, these three different phrases within this, this passage. And this, this phrase, to walk humbly, kind of sums it all up. In fact, it's the driving force behind acting justly. And it's the driving force behind loving mercy. Okay, so acting justly, that is, that's like um, having this passion to fix things, okay, that are wrong. Maybe it's in a relationship. Maybe it's in uh, our society. You want things to be uh, made right, just like God wants things to be made right. And so if you want to act justly, then you've got to walk humbly. And if you want to love mercy or the idea of, of loving people unconditionally, Okay, so, I mean, no matter what they've done to you, um, even if you consider them your enemy, that you would say, you know what, I still love you and I'm going to show love to you. That's, that's loving mercy. And the Bible's saying if you want to do those two things, you have to be able to do this. You have to be able to walk humbly. In fact, humility is, is the key to this whole thing. It's the key to this Micah manifesto that we've been talking about for the last several weeks. Without it, man, it's going to be difficult to be able to live out these other things. Humility is the key to the Micah Manifesto. But God says that we're supposed to live out this humility in a walking fashion. How many of you guys like to go on walks? Anybody? Okay, so, man, when you go on a walk with someone, or you ask someone to go on a walk with you, what are you, what are you asking them to do? Are you asking them to play, play tag or to chase you? No, I mean, you're, you're, you're asking them to get next to you and to go on a walk. I remember several years ago, Holly and I, uh, we, our family got to go to Costa Rica and we're on vacation. And we stay in this house that's like in, this, in the jungle and the beach is out uh, just past the jungle. And so one day we we're kind of bored and Holly said, hey, you want to go for a walk? I'm like, sure, let's go. And so we walked through the jungle, got down to the beach and we had to decide which way we're going to go. 
you know, going to go left or right, and the, the, the beach is just beautiful, and we're like, let's go to the right. And so we started walking. And when you're walking on the beach, there's a, there's a way to walk on the beach, okay? So you don't get in the hot sand that's dry, because then it's like all your feet and your toes and gets all over the place, whatever. So you don't go there, and you don't also, like, get all the way up in the water, because it's hard to walk, and the waves are uh, rolling you over and stuff like that. You get in this perfect middle zone where that's the cool sand, you know what I'm saying? And you can just walk and you got it in your feet and your toes and it's awesome. And so we're walking, we just walk in and we're holding hands and we're just talking. And man, I, I love that because, because I was not walking in front of her. I was not walking behind her. Um, we were not separated from a great distance. We were next to each other. And when you're in the middle of that that moment, you get to have a conversation, right? And so you're, you're talking about life and you're looking around and you get to have this, this intimacy. And that's what kind of what God is talking about here. He's, he's saying, I want to have this kind of intimacy with you. I want to go on a walk with you. Have you ever been on a walk like that with God? Maybe it was just for a day. You know, you, you got up in the morning and man, you're just, your relationship with God was just in sync and you were thinking about him and like just things happened and, and you began to, to contemplate him more and you're talking to him and, and uh, you, go to, you go about your day and you're at the store, you're at work, you're at school, whatever, but you're still in the middle of all of the regular stuff of the day, you're still conversing with God, you're still thinking about him, you're still praying to him, um, he's speaking into your life and you're like, you have this day, and you're like, man, that was a good day. Like I felt close to God that day. Maybe it was a single day. Maybe it was a lot longer day, but maybe it's been a, a year or two. You feel like you've been walking with God. But God wants to have that kind of relationship with you. Just like, just like when you're walking down the beach with someone, he wants to have this intimate relationship with you. In fact, the great theologian and and pastor A.W. Tozer, he said this about walking with God. And he, he used this, had this quote. He said, the goal of every Christian should be this, to live in a state of unbroken worship. Man, are you doing that? Or do you just come to church on Sundays or like Wednesdays or every once in a while, like once a month, and like, okay, I'm going to fulfill my worship of God that's not the kind of walk that God wants to have with you. He wants to have a continual walk with you, this, this unbroken, worshipful state. And so if you're going to write anything down today, you could write down, down this, this statement about walking with God, that walking with God means keeping a sustainable, in-step, and continuous pace with him. What, is, what do these things mean? Let me, let me unpack these a little bit. Walking with God means keeping a sustainable pace with him. Not, not too fast and not too slow. You're not getting ahead of God. You ever done that where you got ahead of God in, a, in timing of something or a decision or God was really leading you this way and you went a different way or maybe you just you drug your, put, put your feet in the ground and you dug your heels in and you didn't want to go where God was calling you to, to go. He doesn't want you to be in front of him or behind him. He wants you to be right next to him, to have this sustainable pace as you walk through life with him. But not only sustainable, but he wants you to be in step. Look what Amos 3.3 says. <coughs> this high, this Hypothetical question says this, do, do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? And you're like, well, of course. Like saying, or, if, you, if two people are walking, they've obviously agreed to walk next to each other. If you don't want to walk next to someone, what do you do? Yeah. 
Kids, you ever not want to walk with your parents, you know? So you walk in front of them, you know, or like you just walking real slow because you're, you're trying to avoid them, you know? And so you're not agreeing to walk together. But he says if two people are walking next to each other, they have, in, in essence, agreed to do that, meaning they are in step. You ever walked with someone and you look down and your feet were out of, out of sync, you know? Maybe you were like me and you're just a short person and you're next to someone that's really tall and they got that long stride. You're like, ah, you're trying to catch up, you know? And so, and so you're not in step. I remember my daughter and I, Hannah, we used to walk and, and we're close to each other and we're walking and we realized our feet are out of step. You know, it's not like left foot, right foot together in sync. I don't know, that's OCD in me, I guess, whatever. And so I wanted to fix that. And so we learned the, the skip step method, right? And so you're walking and you can do this. That's all it takes. Okay, I didn't hurt myself. Okay, that was awesome. So you do that, and all of a sudden, now you're walking in sync, left foot, right foot, with that other person. That's kind of how God wants us. He wants us not, to, not, not just to be next to him, but he wants us to be in step with him, be in rhythm with him, doing the things he's, he's called us to do, making wise and holy decisions and following after him. That's what he wants us to do, but he also wants us to have this continuous pace um, in, in, a, in a relationship and a walk with him <coughs> in 1880, a long time ago, it was a good year. Um, Spurgeon, great, great pastor, um, he, man, this guy used to preach all the time. I don't know, I, I preach once a week and I'm tired, okay? He preached like every single day and sometimes multiple times a day and all of his sermons were good. And the other day I was reading through a couple of his sermons from 1880 and he said this about, about walking with God. I, th I thought this was just fascinating. He says this. So walking with God means being with God always. Being with God in, in common things, being with him on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, as well as on the Sabbath or, or Sunday. Being with him in the shop, with him in the kitchen, with him in the field, feeling his presence in buying and selling and weighing and measuring and plowing and reaping, doing as unto the Lord the commonest acts of life. This it is which is acceptable with the Most High. And this is the man who has gotten into a right condition before his maker, the man who does what? Who walks with his God. That's what it means to walk with God. Not, not something you just do at church, but you do all the time. No matter where you're at, you continuously walk with him. So not only does God care about you walking with him, I and mean, obviously he does, he wants you to walk with him, have a relationship with him, but he wants, he wants you to do it a certain way. And the how of walking with, with him really is important. So go back to Micah, Micah 6, 8 on the screen. Here's what it says. How are we supposed to walk? Humbly. To walk humbly. Now, this is, this is only one of two times in the entire Old Testament that this word is used, this word humble is used. The other time is in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 2, and it's used in a way to compare and contrast um, the proud person. So it's like, you got a humble person, you got a, a proud person. And I think the best way for us to understand humility, what in, the world, what in the world is humility, how do we understand it? The best way to do that is to compare it to something that's completely opposite. And pride is something that is completely opposite of humility. And it's, it's important for us to, to know what it is. And so when God says, hey, I want you to walk with me, I want you to have this relationship with me. What he's, in essence, saying is that I want you to leave pride at the door. If you're going to go on a walk with me, we're going to go down the street, 
and we're gonna go a couple blocks, and we're gonna make the, the, the loop in the neighborhood, you gotta leave your pride at the door. Can't put it in your pocket, can't take it with you, can't put it in your fanny pack. You know, you gotta leave it at the door, okay? You can't take it with you. He's saying, I want you to leave pride at the door because pride will be your downfall. If you're walking with God and pride begins to continually creep in, it will be your downfall. Proverbs 16, 18 says this. It says, pride goes before destruction. Man, it's dangerous. And yet we love it. Like, honestly, guys, almost all of us in here, we have pride issues. I stand up here today, I'm going, man, I'm speaking to myself today. I've got some pride issues. My family knows that I have some pride issues. I had them my entire life. But we cling to it. And I think the reason we cling to our pride is because we trust ourselves more than we trust God. You know, like the decisions we make, the plans we have, the things we get involved in, the things we say no to, the things we say yes to, we trust ourselves more than we trust God. And we have this natural desire to have independence from God, from our, from our Father. I mean, come on, all the kids in here, like all of us adults in this room, we've had moments in our lives where we rebelled against our parents, you know? And we wanted to do, <clears throat> it didn't matter what, if it was good or bad, we just wanna do the opposite of whatever they said, you know? Like it's just our desire to do exactly the opposite of whatever our parents um, had to say. We had this desire and it's our pr it's prideful intent in our hearts to go against our parents. And that's kind of what God is saying here, is saying that you have this natural desire for pride, but it will be your downfall. It'll keep you from having the things you want in this life. It'll keep you from having that relationship. It'll keep you from getting that promotion. It'll keep you from having this rich and intimate relationship with God. It will stunt your spiritual growth and your walk with God, pride in your life. So the question is, how do you know if you have it? How do you know if you have pride? Well, I just took a look at my own life and came up with six things, okay? Six questions or, or phrases that might help us to think if we have pride or not. How about this? When you talk about yourself constantly. Anybody like that? Anybody know someone like that? Any type of relate or conversation you're having with someone, you're like, would you just shut up and quit talking about yourself? Like, it doesn't matter. I had this special thing to tell you, and all of a sudden it got switched around, and now you're talking about yourself for 10 minutes, okay? So people probably think about when they talk to me, okay? Okay, I need to work on that. I want to, like, relate to people maybe, and so I'm trying to, to do, do it that way, but <coughs> I really think that I have, I have some pride issues there that I'm constantly talking about myself. Can you have a conversation with someone without talking about yourself? You just ask questions and you just listen to what they have to say? Man, try it. Try it at lunch today. It's harder than you think, okay? Like you just naturally want to do that. Maybe there's some pride in your life. How about this one? When you flaunt your stuff, okay? All right? We naturally want to do that because we want people to admire us. We, we desperately want that in our society. And so when someone drives up next to you in their big truck, it's all shiny, it got the big wheels on it, and you're like, man, that's awesome. That, that guy knows that he just pulled up next to you, doesn't he? It's like, oh yeah, you know? What is, you know, what, 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 are you, what, are you, what is that person doing? What are you doing when you're in that situation? You're pride driving, okay? That's what I call it, like you're pride driving. You want people to admire you, don't you? You want people to look at you. 
You're flaunting your stuff. Do you do that? Do you do that? Number three, when you say, man, I don't need your help. Anybody? Self-made man. Like, I don't need anybody's help. I can handle this. I don't need you to come in and, and fix this. I can do this on my own. Anybody like that? Man, I, I have a hard time with that. Right, Noah? Like you and me. Man, we're, we're awful at that. Sorry calling you out right there. Okay. <laughs> we'll get down to that one here in a minute. That's another pride issue I have. My bad. I apologize. <laughs> Number four. When you say, let me tell you something. So the opposite, opposite of the, the third one. When you say, I don't need your help. I don't need you to correct me. I don't need you to fix me. But then you're like, hey, let me fix you. You know, I'm just a fixer. I want to go around and fix everybody's problems because I've got all this wisdom to give out to you. Okay. Because I have arrived. Okay. So people, okay, sorry. It sounds terrible. Don't quote that. Don't cut that out and put it on Instagram. That's a bad one. Okay. So, but that's how, that's how a lot of us are, right? We say, let me tell you something. Let me, let me teach you. And honestly, what do we want? We want people to look up to us, don't we? We just want people to look up to us. How about this, number five, when no one can correct you. You always, when someone's trying to, when someone sees something wrong that you've done or an attitude that you have and they're trying to fix that, and in love they're coming to you and you naturally get defensive and you say, it's not my fault. And you, you honestly say, you're wrong. The opinion you have is, is absolutely wrong. And you get easily offended. Anybody get easily offended when someone likes to, or tries to correct you? Man, I can with the best of them. And number six, sorry, Noah. Um, <clears throat> this is on me. When you consistently criticize others. <coughs> That's terrible. Wow. We'll talk about that this week. I have to apologize over and over again to Noah. We always like to go through our sermons afterwards and, and watch them on Mondays and see how things went. And yeah, okay, you can just use that one tomorrow. My bad. Okay, so when you consistently criticize others, when you say, hey, let me, let me fix you. Let me fix what's wrong with you. But you fail to look at yourself. Anybody ever do that? Did the Bible say something about that, that big old plank in your eye, you know? And yet we love to fix other people and criticize other people. Is that you? It's me. To be honest today, I look at these things and I'm like, man, I've got a lot to work on. I think it's easy for us to have pride. Is that you? Do you have a, a few of these? You just got one of these or are you swimming in it? Say, you know what, this, this is just me. Like, I'm living in this. And, I, and you wonder why your relationship with God is not as strong as it, it should be or as you know it should be. And you're wondering about this walk with God and you can't figure it out why, it's, why you're never in step and you're, you're just, it's not a sustainable pace and you just can't figure out what is wrong with this relationship I have. Here's the answer. The answer is your pride. And God opposes the proud. James 4, 6 doesn't say that he just opposes the sin of pride. He says he opposes the person who is prideful, the proud. He opposes the proud. If you don't believe me, you can go to the Old Testament and look at the nation of Edom. You probably don't know this nation, but this nation had it, <laughs> had it all. It was doing some incredible stuff, okay? It was, what, it was the nation everybody else looked up to. And in Obadiah chapter, or Obadiah 3 and 4, here's what, here's what it says. God says this to him. He says, hey, the pride of your heart, 
it's deceived you, okay? You've thought way too highly of yourself. There is some serious pride issues going on. <clears throat> the pride of your heart has deceived you. You live in the clefts of the rocks and make your home on the heights, okay? Or you say to yourself, who can bring me down to the ground? Or, okay, what that's saying is, is another version says like those who like live on the mountaintops. You know, you got that mountaintop home. You're looking down at everybody else. You don't think anybody can touch you. You think you have arrived in life. That's what this nation was dealing with. And it says this, though you soar like the eagle and though you make your nest among the stars, from there I will bring you down. That's what God says to the, this, this nation. Why? Because they had arrived through their pride. God says, I don't want you to arrive that way. Pride will be your destruction. James 4, 6 goes on and says, not only does God oppose the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. So if God hates your sinful pride, but he delights in your humility, what is humility? What does humility look like? Well, the easiest way, we do this all the time, to know how to do something, to know how to live a certain way, is just to follow the example of Jesus, right? I mean, look at his life and, and see someone who was, was full of love, perfect love, okay? Or in this instance, someone who is full of perfect humility. How do I have humility in my life? Well, I need to be like Jesus, to have the mindset of Christ. So Philippians chapter 2, let's look at, um, real quickly, how we can have humility in our lives. So in Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 5, here's what the Bible says. It says, in your relationships with one another. Here's what you need to do, okay? In your relationships with your, your spouse, in a romantic relationship with, with, with your kids, okay? With your parents, with your, your coworker, with your boss, with the person that is under you at work with your neighbor, with your, your teacher, with your coach, here's what you need to do. Have this, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Or in other words, be like Jesus. In those relationships, be like Jesus. And goes on in verse six and says this, who being in very nature God, get this, he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, okay? Here's what's saying. Jesus was in heaven for all of eternity. He was sitting right next to the Father and the Holy Spirit, this trinity, this perfect unity of God, okay? And it says he didn't consider equality with the Father something to be used to his own advantage, but rather he made himself nothing. So in heaven, Jesus is worshiped perfectly. For all of eternity past, he's been worshiped perfectly. Angels all around him, worshiping him. I mean, he's got the good life, right? He is God. And he says, you know what? <coughs> Excuse me. I'm going to come down to this earth and I'm going to be something different for everyone else. It says he, he made himself nothing. And this is what humility says yes to. If you want to know what humility is, humility says yes to sacrificing. That is what Jesus has done. He came down to this earth and he sacrificed. He made himself nothing. He gave up something so valuable. If you're in heaven and you're God, would you be like, ah, you know what? I'm going to come down and make myself nothing for all these heathens. Okay. Like I, I, I wouldn't do that for you. Okay. But God did that for you. He made himself nothing because he was willing to sacrifice for you. 
And the question for us is, are you willing to do that? Are you willing to sacrifice for God? Are you willing to sacrifice for others? How do you sacrifice for others? Well, maybe through your time, through your resources, through letting go of your comfort. Are you willing to humble yourself? I think sometimes we hold on to our pride and we hold on to our stuff. We hold on to our time a little too tightly. And we're not willing to sacrifice like Jesus. We love that Jesus sacrificed for us. But we don't want to necessarily do that for other people. But if you want to live a life of humility, you have to say yes to sacrificing. But the verse goes on in verse 7. says, rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant <coughs> being made in human likeness. Jesus didn't come, just come to this earth. He went one step further. Think about this. Jesus could have come to this earth and been a conquering king, right? He could have came to this earth and been ruler of everything and everybody was subjugated to him and he had no problems, okay? And he used all of his power. But he didn't, he didn't just come to earth to do that. He came to this earth and took one step further, and it says he became a servant. And that's what humility does. Humility says yes to serving, to serving other people. Like, if you want to live a, a humble life, how many people are you serving weekly? How many people are you taking care of and doing things for? Are you going the extra mile? You know, Jesus says this in, in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, hey... If a, talk about loving your enemies. If, if a Roman soldier asks you to, to carry your stuff, one, carry his stuff one mile, he says, go with him an extra mile. Well, back then they had these, these mile markers, okay, outside of town. And that was like the legal requirement. So if a Roman soldier said, hey, I want you to carry my stuff, you'd be like, oh my goodness, are you kidding me? I just did that last week. But you're like, I gotta do this, okay? So you'd, you pick up <clears throat> their stuff and you could go a mile to that marker and then you could set the stuff down and say, I am, I'm, Fulfill my obligation, okay? Not, not actually serving them out of love, just out of, out of duty, out of requirement. And Jesus says, hey, I want you to go another mile. I want you to go another mile because I have become a servant. I have, I have loved people in a servant-like manner, and you need to do the same thing. What are you willing to do for other people? If you were to make a list of the things that you would like actually do for people, how long would it go till you said, eh, I'm not doing that, Okay? So maybe you would, you, I'll pray for you, okay? That's an easy one, okay? So we'll all pray for people. That just, that's no skin off my back. I can pray for people, okay? That doesn't affect me at all. Maybe buy a meal for someone. Maybe you would mentor someone who's not, done nothing for you, but you want to do something for them. What if you, you saw someone in need and you actually really had to sacrifice to meet that need. We're great for, with, with meeting people's needs as long as it like doesn't you know, really affect me and my family. You saw someone that was without and they got a family. Would you be willing to give up your car for them? Or have you already drawn that line and said, okay, I'm gonna do all these other things, but whoop, that's where I stop, okay? That's the level of my, my servanthood. I, that's the level of how far I'm going to go. Where would you stop? Where would you stop with your humility. Verse goes on in verse eight and says, and being found in appearance as a man, look what he did. He humbled himself. I want you to think about this. Jesus 
He voluntarily put himself under the authority of the Father. I don't think we really grasp what that really means and the ramifications of that because the Father didn't look at Jesus and say, hey, I need you to go do this. And he's like, I don't want to do it, okay? That's not how it worked, okay? Jesus is fully God, and he says, you know what? I'm going to put myself under authority of the Father when I'm here on this earth. And that's what true humility looks like. When you put yourself under the authority of someone else. And so humility, this is the third thing. Humility says yes to submitting. We don't like that word, do we? You know? So women, are you submitting to your husbands? <laughs> okay. I'm going to walk out that way. Okay. Men, are you submitting to your spouse? There's mutual submitting there. Okay. Ah, save myself. Okay. Are you submitting in your relationships with one another? Are you submitting in your relationship, relationships at work? Is there someone that has authority over you? Are you submitting that relationship? Kids, are you submitting to your, to your teachers and your coaches? Are you, kids, are you submitting to your parents? Are you submitting in the relationships that God has put in your life? Because Jesus was a guy who submitted to, to that kind of relationship as well. He submitted in his relationships. Here's the question for us. Are you a control freak? How many guys are control freaks in here? Like you want to be in control. And so when, when, you're, when you always want to be in control, here's the deal. You just don't want to submit to anybody else. You want to make the decisions and you want to do, you know, make, make, make your own life, okay? You want life to be controlled by you. That's what a control freak is. Will you be willing to let someone lead you? I think a lot of times we have these relationship problems because we're not willing to submit in certain times to people, okay? But true humility is submitting to people. Let me go a little step further. Are you willing to applaud other people when something great happens to them? Or do you just naturally get jealous, you know? Are you willing to celebrate when someone maybe even got that promotion when you should have gotten it or you thought you deserved it, or they won when you thought you should win. That is, when you celebrate those people, that is true humility, isn't it? You're submitting to that situation and saying, you know what, it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. I'm submitting in the middle. That's true humility. And the the fourth thing is this. Verse eight goes on and says, "He, he humbled himself by being obedient to death even death on a cross. Jesus went all the way with his humility, and he ended it by dying on the cross for us. He suffered for other people. And that's what true humility is, saying yes to suffering. Are you willing to suffer for other people? Are you willing to be inconvenienced by other people? Like parents in this room. Are you willing to stay up late helping your kid with homework? (laughs) I'm like, that's your fault. You should do it yourself, right? Are you willing to to suffer that way? Suffering means giving up something. Maybe it's your time. Maybe it's your relaxation. maybe Maybe it's your comfort. Would you be willing to give up your Saturday to go and mow someone's yard who, who needs help? Will you be willing to, after work, Watch a Disney movie with your kid. (laughs) 
when you don't want to, you know? Like, I'd rather do anything but that, okay? Here's the deal. Don't you think Jesus would have been wanting to do anything but die for you, okay? He was willing to suffer ultimately and show ultimate humility for you on your behalf. And the question is, are we willing to do that for other people? Are we willing to look at Jesus' example and say, you know what, I want to be that way? And here's the, here's the biggest question. Do other people see that in you? And that's what brings all of this around, this Micah manifesto. Does, 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 do people see that in your life? There's a great example in the book of Acts, and we'll finish with this. <clears throat> in the book of Acts, Peter and John, okay, they're two of the disciples. Jesus has died, he risen from the grave, he ascended into heaven, he, he sends the, these, these guys out and says, here, you're going to start this church, and you're going to tell everybody about me and how to be saved, okay, from their sins. And they're going around and living this life of humility, and it says this, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, these, these Pharisees, these people who were not followers of Jesus, okay, they saw the courage of Peter and John, and they realized that they were unschooled, okay, these guys had no education. They were ordinary men, meaning they were just like you and me. They were nothing special, okay? They had not had a privileged life. They had not had the best education. They did not have wealth beyond, beyond imagination. They were just normal people like you and me. And it says this, when they realized that, they were astonished, and they took, took note that what? That these men had been with Jesus, The way you treat other people, the people go, he's been with Jesus. She's been with Jesus. I mean, I can see that they've been walking with Jesus. We've been using this, this phrase, Micah Manifesto, but may, maybe it needs to be changed to say, it's, it's Clayton's Manifesto. It's, put your name in there. It, it's your Manifesto to Walk with God in such a way, in humility, that you have this desire to fix what is broken, to act justly. You have this desire to, and this passion to love people, even your enemies, even the people that want to hurt you or to harm you or to harm someone in your family. And you say, you know what, I'm still going to love you because Jesus has called me to do this, to love mercy. If, if we are going to be that kind of people, we got to be walking with God in humility. And when that happens, here's what's cool. This is, this is the whole thing. People see Jesus in us, and then people's lives are changed. That's what it's all about. Do people see Jesus in you? I hope they do. hope they do in my life as well. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for loving us despite... Um, uh, all of our issues. And God, I thank you that you don't desire these crazy amounts of sacrifices in our lives. You, you desire a great character. You desire humility. You desire for us to walk with you. You desire for us to be like you in our relationships with other people. May the world see Jesus in us in the way that we, we fix relationships that are broken. We fix injustices that are out there in our culture, in our society. The way that we love people, no matter what the circumstance, and that is hard to do. But God, you called us to be that way. If we're your sons and daughters, you've 
called us to be like our dad. And I pray, God, that you'd help us to be like Jesus, to be willing to sacrifice, to suffer. God, that we'd be willing to live lives of humility so that other people, so they don't see much of us, not in our pride, but God, that we lay our pride down, they would see much of you in our lives. Help us, God, to know how to do that. Help us do that this week in our relationships with people. Bring up moments where we have a fork in the road, we gotta make a decision, whether we're gonna hold on to our pride or we're gonna follow after Jesus in humility. Help us, God, to follow Jesus, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.